This is Strange Assembly episode 232, Drawing Dead. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I'm here today, as always, with Jay Earl. Hello. And here today with, as never before, John Fiorillo. Wow, good job on the name. <laughs> Most people mess it up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. We are coming to you today courtesy of Chris Dennett and the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund. As those of you who have been uh, around for a while know, but I'm going to I'm going to make you listen to it so everybody who's new can hear it too. The Jack Vassal Memorial Fund, that's J A C K V A S E L dot org, is a fund that is designed to help gamers in need, and one of their primary fundraisers every year is an auction on Board Game Geek, and this is the fourth year that we have auctioned off uh, an episode of the show effectively. This uh, time around, the auction was won by Chris Dennett, uh, who is a fan of John and Drawing Dead, which came out late last year. So we are going to, at, at Chris's request, going to use this show to talk to John and talk about Drawing Dead and, well, whatever else we feel like talking about, honestly. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, John? Okay, well... You already covered my name, but um, I've, been, <laughs> I've been a game designer for, uh, I guess, like a little over a decade now, which is kind of shocking to, to even say and think about. But I was before that uh, an engineer who uh, hated his job and was a pro Magic player. So on the weekends, I used to travel around to all the um, Magic Pro Tours and, you know, compete for money. And it was a really pretty awesome experience. I did okay. I had some moderate success there for a short time before taking a job at Upper Deck Entertainment, working on games um, like Versus System, for which I also played on the pro circuit before I, I joined the company. And uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff over there, like World of Warcraft uh, trading card game and the World of Warcraft miniatures game, of which I was like the lead developer. Yeah, then I started Stoneblade Entertainment in 2000... What was it? 2010? Yeah, 2010, with uh, Justin Gary and Brian Kibler. And we uh, made Ascension and a few other games like Soulforge, uh, which is only an app. And you got to be kidding me, like, <laughs> which is a kind of ridiculous title. And then after that, I just uh, started my own my own company uh, last year, and my first release is Drawing Dead. So hopefully the first of many. So we have a lot in common. I can tell you spent weekends playing on the Pro Tour. I, at one point in time, spent weekends playing in Pro Tour qualifiers. That's the same thing, right? <laughs> Well, I spent many weekends playing in Pro Tour qualifiers too, so I know that we have that in common. But yeah, they it, it definitely feels a little bit um a little surreal, like trying to like win a Pro Tour qualifier. And I hear now there's like two you have to win like two of them or something in, in a row in order to get to a Pro Tour. It just seems so crazy. I can't imagine anybody actually doing that. I've never won a Pro Tour qualifier, so there's a interesting tidbit, <laughs> interesting fact. Managed to get on the, the gravy train or level five or whatever status they call it now only by like uh, top eight in grand prix and pro tour pro tour finishes yes i'm vastly removed from even the fringes of the magic scene now so i have no idea what complexities there are i know i can look up my rating because i 
still remember my DCI number, <laughs> which is probably not the piece of information I needed seared into my brain for the rest of my life, but there it is. <laughs> I was thinking about that with like song lyrics and stuff. Like the song lyrics I can remember from when I was a kid. It's like, why do I remember this? I wish I could remember like, you know, important stuff, but no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I did just want to throw in as an aside, so we don't forget we we established before we started recording. Uh, you mentioned you you gotta be kidding me. I said that this sounds like the sort of game title that Jay would like, and that I would roll my eyes at, and, yes. and then we confirmed that Jay had in fact bought. You gotta be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> at Gen Con. Yep, yep. Put up with Gen Con last year. It's a good game. Don't don't be. If the title's off putting you, don't worry. It's uh, it's actually quite quite good. It has nothing to do with kittens. <laughs> so your company is Gold Baby Games, and right now is it fair to say that that you are Gold Baby Games? Yep, pretty much. I'm the only full time employee. That's for sure. I've had some help from friends of mine in different various areas of game design and art and stuff like that. But for the most part, Get Gold Baby Games is a solo solo endeavor. And so you've. We've both mentioned Drawing Dead. My Google Foo says that Drawing Dead is a poker term for when you can't possibly win no matter what it is that you draw. Am I I getting that right? That's right, yeah. (laughs) It's also when you're playing Pictionary and you get the category is someone who's not alive. (laughs) Oh, man. It would be. (laughs) Michael Jackson for $500, Alex. Um, Yeah, so it was pretty funny. I had this uh, vision of the the game. Actually, at first when I when I started um, the design, I called it uh, Dead Man's Hand. Then a quick Google foo on my part showed that there was a, like a game called that already, and maybe even two games called that. And I was like, eh. Then I thought, oh wait, Drawing Dead. How how appropriate? Because I mixed the Western, like a Western saloon style poker game, and this like I wanted this Day of the Dead look to it, not like actually undead people, but like, you know, the face paint that they have uh, Dia de los Muertos. And I thought that was an interesting fusion, and I really liked the way it looked, and I got some good feedback on it. So I was glad to come up with a name that I thought was equally appropriate. Yeah, the feature art for the game seems to be the, yeah, this fellow with his poker hand and a hole-ridden cowboy hat and the (laughs) the Day of the Dead face paint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the style. It's kind of like a just like, uh, what if they were actually undead and kind of playing for more than money? And because the game isn't a gambling game, I kind of wanted to separate it from from just regular poker. Right, so in Drawing Dead, each player is, what, you're playing for your soul, essentially, by the end of the game? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you're doing. You're kind of um, playing in this last chance game to kind of take a, a peaceful nap. You're already dead, but uh, you're kind of walking in limbo because you've uh, traded your souls for something during your life. And then the idea is that you have to play this game and that that's your one chance to actually get it to rest in peace. So there's a poker foundation here in Drawing Dead. What's what's different about Drawing Dead and, you know, uh, five card draw? <laughs> actually, poker is, wasn't really the base for the game. Um, okay. It just uses poker hands and poker cards. But because it uses poker hands and poker cards, it I guess is poker. I don't I don't know how to really I don't know where that that line is drawn. But all the game mechanics are actually completely separated from that. There's no 
like betting or bluffing or folding or any of that stuff. It's mostly a strategy game that uses poker cards. And I think that's the misconception when people see it. They expect it to be poker. And uh, it's it's not. It's a hobby game, just like Ascension or any of the other ones. Okay. Well, now, Jay, you picked up a copy of Drawing Dead off of Amazon. I did. And uh, what did you think of it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's... When you first start playing it, you are thinking it is pokery because you are using poker cards and poker values and so forth. And but then you you realize you don't have to know when to hold them or when to fold them. You just have to know the poker ranks. And then it's a it's a clever strategy game based around that. It's more a plus pressure luck sort of mechanic. But also with the, now I've forgotten the term because it's been a while since I read the rules, the, the personality cards that you're getting in really affect and let you have some actual strategy. It's not just pure luck. Yeah, that's right. They're, in the rules, they call them um, roll cards. They're essentially the character okay. cards that you see all the art for. And the thinking was that, well, I could go through the story of like how it came to be or all that stuff. I don't know if I should start from the beginning, but the you know I wanted to do something that was a little more, it's a little more strategic uh, than poker is, and it's a little more resource managing. You can kind of like not just rely on getting a hand or or bluffing your way through it. There is actually no bluffing in the game. You can start at the beginning. in In the words of the immortal Bart Simpson, "Let's start at the start and take it away." Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, speaking of lyrics, one remembers from childhood. Yeah, seriously. So I, uh, I got the idea um, when a friend of mine mentioned some kind of poker variant that was uh, like a hobby poker blend, and uh, I was like, "Oh my god, that's what I've been looking for!" Because I had been working on a game that was. Have you ever played Citadels by any chance? Are you guys big? Hobby gamers, uh, board, like tabletop card games? Yeah, yeah, I've played Citadels. Oh, you have? Okay, cool. I mean, I know you're gamers, but I didn't know if it was card games specifically. So Citadels was like one of my favorite games, and it just felt like it could use a little bit of a little bit of a redo, because A, there's a few things I didn't like about it. A, it was very slow-paced, but I really enjoy the, the mechanics enough to make it worth it. And then B, it I felt like you can never really come back from far behind or like things were too kind of like set once you like someone would have like five or six buildings and you'd have like one or two buildings and you know, you're kind of dead, you know, and you're just sitting there going through the motions for the rest of it. (laughs) And that's like one of the things I hate the most about any game is like when I'm just sitting there playing and I know I've lost like if it's like more than five minutes, I'm getting annoyed. So I wanted to fix some of those problems and I love Citadels. So I was like, you know what? why would I have buildings when I could have something much cooler than a building like poker cards? And since one poker card can kind of make your hand or break your hand from like a straight flush to nothing, I was like, that's more dynamic and that's going to be what I need to kind of get it there. So I guess at that point I I, I proxied up a version where you draft the roll cards, kind of like the Citadel's cards and they all kind of work in that same, that same system. And then over time I iterated and iterated and iterated and it was just never fast enough until I uh, came up with, well, I didn't really come up with a friend of mine suggested to me, his name is Brian Hacker, suggested to me the mechanic of the button in Drawing Dead, which is the kind of unique thing that's going on. That's why there's no folding or holding. It's you are fighting over the button and one-upping each other to maintain control of it. If you ever keep the button for an entire round, so each other player gets a turn and you start your turn with the button, you take the pot. 
And since there's no folding, really, you can't have betting, right? So <laughs> I didn't want folding. As you know, I don't like sitting around watching people play games when I should be playing. <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to get rid of that. And so the mechanic is you, you, you bet whenever you play a card. Brian Hacker, that's another former Pro Tour turned uh, poker pro. That's that's right. Yes, he's a <laughs> <laughs> he's a friend. He worked at Upper Deck when I worked there. Uh, so when I started um, when I started doing this, I, I reached out to him because I knew he was doing some stuff in the area, just to reconnect and showed him Drawing Dead, which I was like still in like the final stage of development on. And he suggested he suggested the mechanic, and I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what I needed to kind of <laughs> get it over the hump. Interestingly enough, I'm working with him on an escape room down in uh, downtown San Diego. He he owns called Enigma HQ. I've never actually done one of the the physical escape rooms, only the little tiny ones that come in boxes. <laughs> oh yeah, well the physical ones are pretty nice uh, compared to the ones you can get in a box. Yeah, like <laughs> especially this one. So if anybody's down in San Diego, I definitely encourage you to check it out. He already had this first one up and running when we reconnected, but I'm working on since I make stuff and I'm an artist. He was like, what? You build things and are an artist? I didn't know that. You should probably work on my escape room. When do you start? <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I'm building uh, his expansion rooms as we speak, actually. That's what's paying the bills at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of art do you do outside of the, the game design world? All types of art, really. I was uh, an art major in college before I became an engineer. Go figure. So I do I, some of the art from Drawing Dead is mine. Um Although I'd had a good good bit of help from my my buddy Anton up in Sacramento, who did the, the rest of it. You mentioned starting out with the Citadel's based idea, but I think the game ended up pretty far off of that. And one of the things, uh, for example, is is there is a everybody has these roll cards, but it's not like Citadels where you just have one every time that you pick. There's a more active draft of these and trying to figure out, but what the other players have but it's done in a, a a much different way from citadels where that's not like the entire game right yeah that's right so during the kickstarter and throughout that whole campaign and even afterwards it, it was more like that where the crux of the game was really about the role cards and figuring out what to take when and what other people might be taking but where it ended up is kind of not like that anymore it's now it's become its own thing drawing dead and it's not much, not much like anything else, to be honest. It's a, it uses poker hands, but it is not poker. And it, it has characters, but it isn't Citadels anymore. <laughs> and when people expect poker, I think sometimes they might be disappointed because they're like, like bluffing and, and they like the folding and, and that kind of feeling. So I try to make it clear that this is not poker. It is, it is a hobby game that uses poker cards. It uses poker hands to score, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, God, Jay, you were going to say something? No, I was agreeing that, yeah, it's the poker hands is pretty much just a way to, to compare values of hand versus hand. More like Citadels when you have buildings in front of you. Imagine your board is poker cards, I guess. So you're just trying to build the, the strongest hand in play, and then each player is trying to top that hand or wreck yours with the roll cards. But that's how things are. You know, they start with this inspiration, this kernel of something, and, and become their own thing over time if you're doing it right. So Drawing Dead is mostly about building the best hand in front of you and not reading your, reading your opponents or bluffing 
It's, it's about resource management and picking the right timing to play your cards, play your cards right, so to speak. So you had the successful Kickstarter of Drawing Dead, and that game is now out and available. Like we mentioned earlier, Jay was able to pick it up on Amazon, and you guys, I think, have it for sale at, at drawingdeadgame.com. That's right. But that's the sort of thing, if I know game designers, then probably you've you've got some next thing now, I mean, this game, you know, it's it's out, so you must have already been thinking about the next one. Do you, do you have anything else coming up for Gold Baby Games? Well, not really. Just like four or five games that I've been working on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish I was a little more, like, finish one thing and do the next. But the nature of what I do, I, I guess having that creative mindset and not being much of a type A personality, I guess. I have all these ideas all the time I want to explore. So I have to be very uh, careful only to pick and choose the right ones. <laughs> but I do have um, a game coming out. I'm, I'm thinking about doing another Kickstarter this spring or maybe until like early summer. For I've been working on a lot of dexterity games. So I have a dexterity game that I made called Scully that was played. I, I learned it when I was growing up in the streets of New York City. Um, we used to draw this game on the on the sidewalk in chalk. Obviously, the rules are a little different than they would be on tabletop, but it's mostly like a bar style, like a barroom game, kind of like shuffleboard, I guess, where you're flicking uh, pieces around a board. I, it's like a, a nice, like lighter, lighter game where you don't have to concentrate so much and can talk. But I also, of course, have this like high strategy, deeper experience sort of card game that I've been working on because that's my um, kind of my strong point, and that's what I've been. That's all the kind of because I was as a pro Magic player, you know, that's my style of game. So, <laughs> yeah, I was saying you're you're saying you're not a Type A personality, but you got to have some significant ability to to focus and bear down there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing would get accomplished if I didn't have any ability to do it. But I managed to get drawing dead out the door. That was hard hard to do by myself. <laughs> but yeah, this um, I was going to say it's kind of like more my uh, my speed, the card games, and uh, when we did Ascension. The goal was to kind of make this like magic draft experience that people could actually could actually really afford and is really easy to to learn. Also, we we wanted to like make Dominion better. Like we love Dominion, but we felt like there's some room for like not improvement, but just something we'd we'd enjoy more, I guess. And that was like Ascension. And now I'm doing a game. The code name is Shadow Clash. I'm not sure if that'll stick, but it's a hidden combat style game with a center deck kind of like ascension where all players draw off of it and you get more of a magic game experience rather than the drafting experience so more like uh combat focused and stuff like that okay well we will have to stay tuned to see what uh shows up next on kickstarter or otherwise from uh, you guys <laughs> yeah hopefully uh it'll be look for around uh spring or early summer and uh if anybody is interested please don't hesitate to hit the website and sign up for the mailing list because that's where you'll get all the updates. If somebody sees something on Kickstarter, the it's it's your name, John Fiorillo, right? For the the, the Kickstarter? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, so you can follow me on Kickstarter as well. Yeah, just working on the what to do next. I, I, I know what it is, is. I don't really know what to do with the dexterity games as much. With the card games, I already kind of been through it, but I've never done a project 
that's as big or heavy as a dexterity game. And I just don't know what my audience exactly is. If it's like bar rooms, I'm not sure how to get it there or distribute it and all the manufacturing challenges because the game's done. I think I might just put it up on my Etsy page for people if they want to order it to start off. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at, uh, at PAX Unplugged, I talked to uh, Dr. Finn of Dr. Finn's Games and he talked about sending people copies of what later became Biblios like through Board Game Geek <laughs> until until the publisher noticed it and said, Hey <laughs> <laughs> Hey. We'd, it's weird though, because like I, I am technically I guess I am a game pub- publisher, but I just don't know <laughs> I guess I'm a card game publisher right now, so I don't know if I should be trying to uh spread myself too thin going into other kind of genres, you know. It reminds me of uh of the magic origin story, right? Show up with Robo Rally. Well, we don't know. We don't know how to make this kind of game. <laughs> how about a card game? We we could get that printed. We know we know people who can print stuff on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was the story. I shouldn't talk. Like, uh, I I don't know if you're you you noticed that, but uh, Richard worked on Soulforge with us. He was it was me, Justin, and Richard were the designers of that game, which was like the best experience ever. He's like the coolest guy. Is uh, super talented, of course. And he never even he never mentioned that to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm mistaken, but I think he showed up at Wizards pitching Robo Rat what what became Robo Rally, which is also awesome. Since mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast was a role playing publisher, that's you know, <laughs> that was kind of out of out out of their wheelhouse at that point in time. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the card game is a lot more uh, attainable. Makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> R- Richard was like amazing. Like working with him was like probably one of the highlights of my career really having, you know, come up through the magic ranks. It's like kind of insane to work with him on something. It was like a, I don't know, work with your hero kind of thing. Changed my life magic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of respect for game designers generally, but I suppose, but it's, it's, it's kind of different when you're talking about a, I guess a lifestyle game like magic can be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you may like Uwe, Uwe Rosenberg or something, but that's just, you know, one guy's games that you play out of a variety. Whereas if, even if you're not on the Pro Tour or something, that can be your entire recreational existence is, you know, going and playing Magic at your local shop at, you know, at bigger tournaments at major, major stuff, whatever it is. And it's all coming from this, this one thing that this uh, one guy had the origin of. I obviously refined by a lot of people over a lot of years but yeah it's a uh, it's pretty insane to imagine something that you made becoming that big <laughs> <laughs> seriously i just can't even can't even fathom what that would be like i, I should mention probably scaff elias too because he was there in the soul forge stuff and was there for magic he often overlooked and he's a very talented guy as well that is definitely a an old magic name i recognize i also saw a little tie-in back to the the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund actually is that Danny Mandel and Ben Chikoski were the guests on the Jack Vassal Fund episode two years ago. What? Really? Oh, yeah. that's so funny. They helped me with Drawing Dead. I don't know if you if you knew that. That's why I was mentioning them, because I saw oh, okay. that they... <laughs> did. I, I don't know what their role was with Drawing Dead, but I saw that they, in in some way kicked in on that but they were yeah they were here two years ago 
I mean, talking about super awesome games and games generally, but talking about Headhunters. Oh, right. Yeah, which I was surprised that that... I was actually surprised that that did not have a successful Kickstarter. That seemed like a unique idea that seemed like the yeah. sort of thing Kickstarter would like. I don't know. Kickstarter is tough like that. Actually, Drawing Dead, I, I expected to do a little better than I, I, I did, really, because I got... Well, I had a couple of things wrong with the campaign, and it just takes so little to either, like, make or break you with that. Like, you, you kind of hit, like, this, like, critical mass, like, early, and then everybody jumps on. Or you just kind of flounder about <laughs> helplessly. Um, yeah, right. You you have to do a lot of getting a bunch of people right away to get the momentum going, and then as it's getting nearer to the end, you know, you get your second big surge. Hopefully, you know, as you have stretch goals or whatever. Since you know that's the way that Kickstarter seem to work. Got to have stretch goals, right? Yeah, I, I didn't like pull up kick track to look at, at drawing dead's curve. Uh you you'd have one of those more normal ones where it's just a, a gradual build through the, the whole way without Yeah. It was like most of it most of it was on day one. <laughs> and then I think it was like thirteen grand on the first day. And then it was just like a, a few hundred bucks here, a little bit there, a little bit there, until the last day where it was like the remaining uh I don't know, twenty like ten thousand or something. <laughs> it was like Two big, two huge days, day one and day 40. There you go. So that, that actually is kind of consistent. I mean, you know, you're not, obviously, it's a little bit different for you than, you know, Simon putting up their latest thing as far as what the numbers are, but right. you still had your, your day one splash and your, you know, last yeah. day splash. and Yep. And it succeeded. Yes. So. Um, yeah, it just, it just made it, I think, due to like some charity, <laughs> some charity case from somebody who wanted to see it happen. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I was hoping for a better reception, but I think besides the, there was a couple of mistakes in my campaign and, and besides that, the same time that I launched bears versus babies launched like literally within the same hour, <laughs> which was kind of unfortunate timing. And they closed like within the same hour too. Yeah. Pre- presumably you guys were on the same schedule, right? What, whatever, 28 days or 30 days or whatever the Kickstarter seemed to default to. Uh, yeah. Whatever the default is. <laughs> I think it's 40. I'm not sure. 40, okay. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, this year, this time around, I learned a lot. Because the landscape had changed a bunch since we did Soulforge, you know? And I think Kickstarter has just become a little bit different. And I didn't really account for that in my campaign. You need a lot more kind of like gameplay information for people up front, I think. So they can tell if they'll, they'll like it. Yes, I, I think that's definitely helpful. Uh, I think that the... I guess the kicks the board game Kickstarter consumer has become more sophisticated, has a better idea of what they are looking for in a Kickstarter. And I know that I've still had things where, you know, say somebody asked me to look at the Kickstarter and I have to be like, I, I can't put something about this on my website. I've I've looked at your preview and I can't tell what the game is. Right. I don't know if I've even gotten your elevator pitch by looking at the <laughs> yeah <laughs> at the was... website. And Drawing Dead is not like that. I mean, there was actual gameplay information on it, but on the the Kickstarter page. But right, I think that I should have showed a lot more in the video than what I did. But I wanted to do something more like well, at the time I wanted to do something cool that would just be attention grabbing and kind of like wow, this looks kind of cool. What's this that makes people curious to go find out more? But, you know, it turns out you really just got to put the rest of it right in there, like everything. <laughs> okay. Now, 
let's not forget that Jay, you're you're still here on the line. I know you you started to talk uh, a little bit earlier about your experiences playing Drawing Dead. So why don't I send it back to you to to finish that up and and what you thought about the game? Okay, yeah. So I like the game. It's as I said before. You first look at it, and it's got a lot of poker accoutrements. It's you've got a poker deck, you've got chips, you've got the button. You think you're getting into a poker game, and so you. You play it, and you're like, this isn't poker. But then you play it again, and you realize, oh, no, this is this is its own thing, and it's quite a good thing. Uh, really, the poker is just a way of differentiating who's winning, who has the best hand. It's really all about uh, strategic use of the roll cards to manipulate the pot and take the pot. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a, a clever way. Again, you could you could do this with uh, different mechanics, but the poker makes it seem more familiar and easier to get into with the hand comparison mechanic. One of the things I like about it is, depending on what roll cards you get, you can go for a strategy of trying to take the whole pot. Or I've I had one game where I was winning because I just kept getting the ones that were just stealing out of the pot repeatedly, and even though I wasn't winning hands, I was still able to take away win the game just by accruing enough money over the course of the game in other ways. That's cool. Yeah, it was kind of a goal, is like, you know, to make it so it's not all lucky all lucky with the cards and make ways that people could play or like strategically and, and win without, without getting the best hand. Yeah, so for that, I, I quite enjoyed the game. I also do feel that one of the benefits of having all the poker dressing is it does make it easier to for me to bring it to some of my less gamer-inclined friends and family and get them into it by just being like, okay, you already know how to hand-rank in poker. Here's how we're playing with the cards and messing with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, I, I have found that that poker is, well, one of the reasons I, I chose it was because it's like a set matching complexity and there's a lot of complexity there. You get kind of for free with anybody that already plays. It's like all these hands are, most people already know them. And I, you know, in case the people don't, I have them printed like on the back of the rule book for them to, to glance at. But, um, and then the other, the other benefit was hopefully that it looks cool. And I think it did pretty well in that, in that way because I've seen people that are not interested in, in these kinds of games at all look at this game and say, this looks kind of cool when they would never like pick up Ascension or something like that. Yeah. And speaking, speaking of the look, uh, the roll, I mean, the poker deck is just a poker deck, but the roll cards all have their own art. And I quite like the, the style you mentioned before, where it's old West meets day of the dead and the face paints and the, I quite like, it's a very evocative style. Thank you. That you've got throughout them. Thanks. Yeah, we worked we worked pretty hard on that, Anton and I. Like, I, he had to fly down here, and we just sat in a room for like three or four days, just jamming until we came up with a that little look that you see now. It's kind of that eerie, spooky, but not too spooky, scary, not scary, spooky. <laughs> right. <laughs> and well, the art deck, the the deck of cards, actually, yeah, it's just a poker deck, but it is it is has its own style and art uh, art done there for for that too. 
just want to mention <laughs> now because Cheryl, Cheryl, who did the the poker deck, is just, like insanely talented, and, and I think she did an awesome job, and they look cool. I even have a few extra promo decks that I printed with the game that are different styles and, and looks. Yeah, so if people like collect poker decks or into that kind of thing, you should check them out on the website. Uh, I think they came out really cool. Okay, so was there anything else going forward that you wanted to let people in on, John? Yeah, um, we are going to be at South by Southwest in uh, in March. I think it's the fifteenth to the eighteenth. They give me a, a booth in the indie in the indie corner over there. I'm nominated for a uh, the tabletop game tabletop game of the year gamers voice award so it's pretty exciting they uh they're putting me up out there and um i get to show everybody the game and that happened at pax uh pax south too that they they put me in the indie showcase this year which was an awesome opportunity and a, and a great experience uh, let me display my ignorance what pres- what is a gamers voice award <laughs> um it's their south by southwest award for the people um at the convention because they might not have heard of us uh us indie guys, and because it's easy to drown us out with the <laughs> with the small amount of uh, impact we would have over resources, so um, they have a specific thing for that, and you can only vote at the convention if you're attending South by Southwest and get to get to play play the game. Uh, it's it's done there, and it's like starting as soon as they open the doors, and then when they close the doors at the end, like an hour before they end, they they tally up the votes to see who wins the award. So hopefully it goes well. Wish me luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, Either way, it's a great, great opportunity, and uh, some uh, some more people will see me, and it's a great, uh, it's an honor. We've been talking today about Drawing Dead. You can find out more about Drawing Dead at drawingdeadgame.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to emphasize you should go and check out the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund. That's at jackvassal dot org. Uh, again, they are they are dedicated to helping gamers in need. So. You can look at that and contribute, or you can look at that uh, if you are yourself a gamer in need. And keep your eyes peeled later this year for, much later this year, for the the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction on Board Game Geek. Uh, there's always a, a lot of generous folks both contributing items and bidding on items. And thanks to john for appearing on the episode today and thanks to chris dennett for donating to the the fund for this charity episode yeah thanks to chris thank you so much for chris uh for doing this it was uh really awesome to to think of me and thank you guys for for everything let me mention one last thing i'm going to start a uh, if anybody out there has ever wanted to do game design and didn't really know where to start because i think it's a really hard thing to learn you can't really find any place that teaches it I'm going to start a Patreon page probably within the next week or two. So if you want to, if you're interested in that sort of thing, I'm going to be teaching people how, how this is done. Just wanted to throw that out there before we, uh, before I signed off. Not a problem. You have been listening to strange assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there in Apple iTunes, if anyone actually still uses that, or directly from the podcast app. You can also subscribe in the Google Play Music Store. We are on the usual social media sites, so we're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. I always like to hear your uh, comments and feedback, so you can reach me directly. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. 
But until then, for Jay Earl and John Fiorillo, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Not even when you're dead. <laughs>